always great when we have these young people lead us in worship. I just uh, appreciate them. I know you do too. And uh, gives you a little energy, doesn't it? For some of us old folks, we need some energy. It gives you a little energy. Good to have you here today. Those of you who join us by Facebook, we're glad that you're with us as well. And we pray that everything's going well. We've uh, got some folks back with us who have had the sickness. And uh, we've had some folks, got some folks that have had the, the uh, shot. And uh, we just uh, are, are definitely praying that we're coming to a point where we can get through this, uh, this trial that we've been in the middle of for, for what seems like forever, but at least for a long time. But uh, glad to see you this morning. My text today is found in, in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. <clears throat> and we'll read the verses from 31 to 35. Luke chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. You have your Bible or you follow us up on the screen. Fine. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. And he replied, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Just had a word of prayer, and so we will ask God to bless us as well during this time. I'm sure you've heard some of these sayings. When you don't know where you're going, any, any road will work. Uh, if you don't care where you're going, you probably will end up somewhere you don't want to be. And if you don't have a plan for where you're going, you'll end up nowhere. Or put in uh, different uh, words, different terminology, uh, why am I here? What am I living for? What can I do to give meaning to my life? Well, Jesus knew exactly why he was here. He had a plan for his life. It was the plan the Father gave him. It was a plan, as a matter of fact, from all eternity. And he came to fulfill that plan. And no matter what would happen... Uh, he was got, uh, you're hearing me all right, right? Because we're having a little trouble with the sound system here, but uh, we'll get it fixed. Uh, he knew what he was doing. He knew that he was following God's will for his life, and he knew that he must cooperate with God and help that happen as God wanted it to happen. That's what, that's what happens here as we look at our, our passage today. By the way, this... This problem with the Pharisees is set in a series of problems with the Pharisees that begins back in chapter 7 and goes all the way through here. And uh, it, it, it's always uh, interesting, somewhat problematic for me as my, I read the Bible to see that his bigger, biggest problems seem to come from religious folks. 
And uh, I think we need to be careful we don't fit into that category in one way, one way or another. So these Pharisees came and said, leave, go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. There are always those who want to keep you from doing what God wants you to do with your life. There are always those who will stand in the way one way or other to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. These folks were doing that, and they were using Herod, who was the king. They were using Herod as, as sort of their, their trump card. And he replied in verse 32, go tell that fox. Uh, sometime you need to read the New Testament, and particularly the life of Jesus, with an eye to things that are humorous. This is humorous. Go tell that fox. Herod was the king, all-powerful as far as worldly people were concerned. But as far as Jesus was concerned, he served a higher authority, and uh, Herod was no more than a fox. Now, a fox is just not the meanest character in, in, in the, the wilderness, you know. Uh, they're, they usually run when there's trouble. They're cagey. Uh, they, do, they do foxy things, you know, foxes do. And he says, and that's the term he uses for Herod. And what he basically says is, I've got something I've come to do, and I'm going to keep on doing it. I'm going to keep on driving out demons and healing people. I'm going to heal people, heal people spiritually, and I'm going to heal people physically. I'm going to do these, these things. I'm going to do it today and tomorrow and on the third day. Now, it's really interesting he uses these terms, today and tomorrow, and then the third day. Because when we think of the gospel, when we think of the third day, what do we think of? We think of resurrection, right? The third day is the day of resurrection. And he's saying, on the third day, I will reach my goal. He lived with this, with this goal in mind. He lived with this mission in mind. On the third day, when I've got it all done, when I've done all that the, that the Father, in our case we would say God, done all that God wants me to do, then, then, then I will be finished and, and it will be completed. The actual word there in the Greek is the same word. It's a word that means finished or completed. It's the same word that he used on the, on the cross according to the Gospel of John when he said, it is finished. In that case... He meant it is finished, the sacrifice is finished, the sacrifice on the cross is finished. In this case, he says, it is finished, I've reached my goal, I've met the mission, I've done what the, the Lord put me here to do uh, on, that, on that particular time. He knew what his mission in life was, and he was going to fulfill it uh, no matter what. As a matter of fact, uh, if, you, if you've got your Bible open there, if you look at verse 22 there, the same chapter, it, it begins that Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching. Now, you add teaching to healing, healing and teaching. Went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Why did he must, must he make his way to Jerusalem? Well, it was that time. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, he says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He must go to Jerusalem. Why must he go to Jerusalem? Well, it was the holy city. Jerusalem was the place where the sacrifices were offered. 
and he who was the sacrifice above all and the sacrifice for all times must go to Jerusalem as well. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was here for. He knew where he was going. And, and, and you know, in the Gospels it said when he st- started out to Jerusalem, his disciples knew that, that he, he'd probably be crucified there, be, uh, be hurt in some way. And they didn't want to go with him, if you remember. And one of them finally said, well, let's go. Even if we die with him, let's go with him. They understood the problem, but he, he set his mind toward, to go to Jerusalem, and he said, I'm going to fulfill the mission. This is important because he knew he had to cooperate with the Father. He had to cooperate with the God. God had a plan for him, and God wanted him to follow that plan, and following the plan meant he would cooperate with God. You see, if we cooperate with God in what God wants us to do with our lives, then, then what happens is uh, we, we don't just sit there and say, okay, God, do it. You know, I'm going to sit here and let you do it. It doesn't work that way. We must cooperate with him in order to fulfill his plan, what he has for us. It's also true that as we come down to the end part of that, uh, his, his crying over Jerusalem is, you see a heartbroken Jesus. A heartbroken Jesus who is heartbroken because the people have rejected him. You know, he, in the words of the Gospel of John, he came to that which was his own. His own people did not receive him, but to as many as did receive him, he gave them the power to become the children of God. His heartbreak over those who rejected him. I think that heartbreak carries through even today. We need to never forget it. So, so our part, our part, Jesus' part in following out what, what the Father wanted him to do was to cooperate with God do that, he needed to get to Jerusalem, and also to do it out of compassion, real compassion. He did it uh, because he cared. Anything we do in the Christian life that's done without compassion is probably not Christian. And so we need to, we need to tie these, the cooperation with God and the compassion always needs to be tied together. It's interesting the terminology he uses. He says, I must press on. I want you to remember that. I must press on, verse 33. Today and tomorrow and the next day, no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Paul had somewhat of the same experience in his life. If you remember, in Acts chapter 9, Paul met God on the road to Damascus. And then in chapter 22, he talks about that, that meeting. And in chapter 26, he talks about that meeting and his experience with God, with Christ, on the road to Damascus. And in chapter 26, when he's before King Agrippa, he talked about how God, at that point, told him what his mission in life would be, what Paul's mission in life would be. You're to go and be the missionary to the Gentiles. You're the one to take the message to the Gentiles. Take the message to the people who are not Jewish, the people who are out there in the world, all the other nations of the world. You're the one who is to do that. Paul understood that deeply. And he, his whole life after that began to build around, this is what God's plan for me is. This is what God's vision, this is what God's mission for me is. And so in a well-known passage in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, um, Paul talks about this and Strangely enough, uses some of the same terminology Jesus did. So he begins, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived, same word, already completed, already finished, same, same word Jesus used. I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on 
Same words Jesus used. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on, I pressure myself, I push myself, I strain to become everything God wanted me to become when God put his hand on me. I am cooperating with God in, in this way. I press on toward the goal. Uses the term goal twice. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then he adds, all of us then who are mature should have the same attitude. All of us who are mature should have the same attitude. God has a plan for us. Now, it might be hard for us to say, well, uh, you could talk about Jesus, but I mean, you know, how can I relate to being Jesus? That, that's one thing. But, but now Paul was a, a person, just like we were. He, Jesus was a person, he was also God. Paul was a person just like we were who met God. That God gave him a plan for his life, and he needed to follow through with that life. A little more cryptic, but still the same lesson is in the life of Peter. Because when Peter first met Jesus, Jesus said, you're to be a rock. I want you to be a rock. I'm going to change your name. Change it from Simon to Peter, because Peter means rock. You're to be a rock for people to depend upon. And then in chapter 21 of, of the Gospel of John, it talks about Peter's calling. And he said, uh, you know, the Lord said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Take care of my lambs. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. He used shepherd terminology, if you please, pastoral terminology. Peter's call was a pastoral call. Paul's call was a missionary call. Peter's call was a pastoral call. He got, uh, used the very same word, shepherd and pastor, the same word. Uh, uh, it means the same thing, and therefore he was called to be a pastor. And we know, we know that Peter, as well, was, was uh, head of the church there in Jerusalem, then he was head of the church at Antioch. Then he went up to Bithynia, in that area up there in Bithynia. And then he ended up finally uh, in Rome. Uh, we know, and he was pastor, all those places where he went. So there was a plan for each one of them. And, uh, you know, Peter, when he got the plan, when God told him his plan, what did Peter do? He turned around and said, well, Lord, point at John. What about him? What about John? And what did the Lord say to him? There in the 21st chapter of John, what did the Lord say to him? Don't you worry about John. If I want him to stay until I come back, what's that to you? you uh, John and I will take care of John. You take care of you and me. And I'm, I'm telling you what you must do. And then he told him the way he would die, and he would die by crucifixion. It's, uh, it wasn't easy for any of these folks. It wasn't easy for Jesus. Uh, you can turn to the 22nd chapter of, of Luke and read about how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was not easy for Jesus. Uh, you know, he... He, he sweat, uh, his sweat was like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Oh God, please let this cup fall from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, what you want me to do, I will do. Wasn't easy for Paul. Paul in the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians talks about, talks about uh, what, he, what he had to go through. Five times, uh, 39 lashes with a whip. Three times beaten across his back with rods. Once he was stoned, stoned the way they killed people. I guess they left him for dead. He got up, walked away. The next day, he walked 30 miles to the next town. And, uh, you know, but he said he was stoned. 
Three times he was shipwrecked. That was before the great shipwreck in, in Acts 27. And he said, a day and a half I spent in the deep, day and a half out in the ocean there uh, trying to survive. Uh, it wasn't easy. And for Peter, he was going to die by crucifixion. It wasn't easy for these guys. It was not easy. But they, they, all of them, cooperated with God in order to follow God's leadership of what God wanted to do with their lives. I talk about it not being easy. I, I, I'm reminded a little bit of the, the tourists that were down in Louisiana. And he took a picture of a Cajun chieftain, and he had a necklace of alligator teeth, necklace of alligator teeth. And the tourist said to his wife, said, uh, oh, look, he's got alligator teeth. He's wearing like, like, like a pearl necklace. And the chief got really upset, and he said, anybody can open an oyster, anybody. God never promises to us, neither did he promise to them, that it was going to be easy to do what he wanted them to do with their lives. What he said was, this would be the way they would find fulfillment in their Christian lives. This was the purpose that they were living. This is where they would find meaning. This is where they would know where they were going if they followed his will all the way. Now, every one of us needs to find our mission in life. And in this congregation, we've got, uh, well, in the early service, almost everybody, but I, I don't think it's everybody here, but a lot of us are, are not young anymore. You know what I mean? Now, these young people here, I hope they're listening to me when I talk about uh, finding God's purpose for their lives. I really hope you guys are listening to what I'm talking about because this is the key to your life. And if you can find that out early in life, it's good. But I want to talk to you older folks as well. Listen, if you're still breathing, God's got a purpose for you to be alive. And we have to find that purpose. And we have to live within that purpose. And we have to cooperate with God. I think about, I think about the different people. Uh, that, that, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that you have to be a, a, an apostle. That doesn't mean you have to be a preacher. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to be a missionary. Uh, at one point when I was struggling as a pastor, struggling, I went to a, a camp meeting and, and, and the man said, the, the preacher that there said, you know, you ought to go as a missionary unless you just can't go. And I thought, you know, maybe he's talking to me. Maybe that's really dumb having so much trouble. So I, I went as a missionary. It didn't take me but two years on the mission field to realize that I had not call, been called to be a missionary. God does not call everybody to be a missionary. You all know that, right? God doesn't call everybody to be a pastor. God does call everybody to live their lives in a way that will fulfill God's plan for your life. And that could, that could be a lot of things. I, I was in one church where we needed a lawyer. We had, we had doctors in our church, but we didn't have a lawyer. We needed a lawyer in our church. And, and I prayed, God sent us a lawyer. God sent us a couple of great lawyers, great Christian lawyers. Uh, I was in another church where we had lawyers running out there. I, I know some of you think I should never pray for a lawyer. I realize that. But anyway, uh, we need Christian lawyers just like everything else. I was in another church. And this church is blessed in both ways. Another church where we had all the lawyers in the world. We needed some doctors. And we prayed that God would send us some doctors. And, and God sent us some doctors. Uh, you know, doctors, lawyers, uh, all these things can be a part of the, God's plan. Coaches, I, I think about the the the... the, the Impact on my life by Christian coaches, teachers, uh, uh, nurses, uh, all of these, all of these caring, you know, people that that uh, uh, firemen and policemen and uh, first responders, all all these people. This is this could be a, 
a, a very real calling. But there's a calling for the rest of us as well. There was one couple in, in, in my church, last church in California. He, they uh, came and they were saved and baptized and became part of our church. And, and as uh, toward the end there somewhere, he stood to give his testimony and said, I haven't found my place yet. I haven't found my place yet, he said. He worked for IBM. And everywhere they moved him, everywhere they moved him, he and his wife started a church. And he once said, you know, what, is, what, what are you doing? He said, we start churches. We make our living working for IBM. What it is God wants you to do? I, uh, it's wise to know that you're not called to be something that you're not called to be. That's wise. But it's also wise to know that God has a purpose for every one of us. Uh, I think about the teachers we have here. I think about the, the, the doctors we have in this congregation, the lawyers we have in this congregation. I think about, I think about all the different uh, people we've got. Uh, we've got people who know how to work with their hands. This is a wonderful gift, know how to work with their hands. And, you, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, God has a plan for you. You've got to find that plan, and you've got to live your life within that plan. Uh, it, it's, just, it's just incredibly important for you to find that plan. It's also important, it's also important for the church to find its mission. And we are at the point, our transition team is at the point right now of struggling over what should be the mission, the vision for this church as this church moves ahead. What should be the vision? You see, God put the church here as well, and God has a purpose for this church. And, and we don't in any way uh, turn our backs on what has happened in the past. We don't in any way uh, look negatively about the church has been a great church through the years. There's no question. Done all sorts of things, wonderful things through the years. No question about that. But we're talking now about how we move in the future. And your transition team is struggling right now with trying to figure out what should be uh, our, our mission, our, our vision for what this church should be as we move out into the future. Tremendously important that we find that church, that, that vision for the church. And it's not like God wants us to be missionary. God wants every church to be missionary. It's not like God wants us to be friendly. God wants every church to be friendly. It's not that God wants us to do, you know, be evangelistic, reach people for Christ. God wants every church to do that. What is the unique thing about this that God wants this church to be as we, as we move out there into the future? That's what we're searching for right now. I hope you'll be, hope you'll be in prayer with us about that and pray for your transition team and, and the whole congregation. And if you have ideas or suggestions, let us know. I got a couple of suggestions this morning after the first service. Got a couple of suggestions, uh, you know, what, what should be the plan. But God has a plan for this church. And God's plan for this church is not that this church to be like some other church. You say, well, there's a church over there in Waco that's doing really well. Let's be like them. That's not what God wants. We're not in Waco. You know, there's a church in Dallas that's doing so, so well. That's not what God wants us to be. God wants us to do what God wants us to do right here in Clifton. And I don't know what that is. That's something that's got to rise from you. It's got to come from the people. I don't know exactly what it is. But I do know that God has a plan and a vision and we need to catch that plan and we need to catch that, that vision in order to, for this church to become what God wants it to be as we go forward. Uh, I've studied the churches over, over uh, Waco ever since I 
I've come to this place to teach, try and teach pastors in seminary. I, I, I've studied the churches over at Waco. Uh, there's a church under the bridge over at Waco. What, what, what is the mission of that church? To, mission, to, to, to reach out to homeless people. There's, there's uh, a couple of churches in, in Waco that, that really uh, try to reach out to the intelligentsia. They, they, they try to reach uh, seminary uh, uh, college and seminary professors and that sort of thing. There's, there's a couple of churches in Waco that, that reach out to students. They want to reach out to students. There's a church in Waco and it's a thriving church that's trying to reach people that don't like church. I'm serious. I'm not kidding. If you know Waco, you know that's true. There's a thriving church there. This whole purpose is trying to reach people that, that have had bad experiences and don't like church. And there, there, there's, there's a couple of churches that reach uh, older people, reach out to older people, that sort of thing there. And when a, church, when a church loses its vision, when a church loses its mission, the church dies. There's a verse over, over in Proverbs that says, where there's no vision, the people perish. When a church loses its vision, a church dies. And I, I want to tell you right now, I have been interim pastor of a couple of churches that were dying. Um, and I say that figuratively because they were already dead. They just were still some people around, you know. But, but, but it's a terrible thing. And, and, and they, didn't understand, they didn't understand exactly why. When a church loses its vision, when a church loses its mission, when a church no longer wants to, 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 to cooperate with God with what that church wants to be in that place. Now, we're a church in a small town. We probably cannot, cannot uh, it's probably going to be more general than it would be in, in, in a large town where there's several churches and that sort of thing. But we need to find that mission and that vision that will resonate with our people, that will come from our people, and, and we can all buy into it, and we can be a part, we can be a part of that. A couple of illustrations from my own ministry, if you don't mind me. Uh, I talk too much about my ministry, I know, and I hope you'll forgive me. A couple of illustrations. I was pastor of a church in the Bay Area, California, and uh, we searched and searched for a mission, and we finally came up with the mission in, in that church. We came up with the mission that we were going to create genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. Genuine disciples. Because there are a lot of people there in that area who say they're Christians. But we were going to create genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. We sent hundreds of people through, through uh, discipling programs and all. In order to, and it made, it made an incredible difference in that church. When I went to El Paso, we struggled. And we struggled a long time. When they called me to the church of El Paso, they told me. They said, we're an old downtown church, and we know we're not going to die if we don't turn around. It took five years, five years for us to sort of come up with a vision and a mission for what God wanted that church to be. And when we finally came up with it, that's a long story. Maybe I'll tell you sometime. But it took five years for us to come up with that vision. When we finally came up with it, the mission that we came up with was, we're going to minister to the people to all the people of El Paso in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to minister to all the people. And, and whether our church grows or not, doesn't make any difference. We are going to, to be the hands of Jesus. We're going to minister to the people of El Paso in the name of Jesus Christ. Turn that church around. Literally, turn that church around. When people got involved with that, when people bought into that vision and got involved. Let, let me give you an example. Just one example. There's a lot of examples. The mission is that, that thing in a church that... that um, you know, everything that you decide whether you're going to do it or not, you ask, how does this fit our mission? And so some ladies came uh, to, to me and sat in the office there, and they said, we want to start a quilting group in the church, a quilting group. We want to start a quilting group in the church. And I said, okay, how is this going to fit into the mission of our church? 
And they said, we're going to make quilts for the women's shelter here in town. The place where the women who were abused went for protection when they were abused. We're going to make quilts for the women's shelter here. And they did. They made quilts, beautiful quilts, beautiful quilts. And then one little square at the end of the quilt says, given, uh, donated by First Baptist Church with love. Donated by, by First Baptist Church with love. Every bed in that women's shelter had one of our quilts on it. Beautiful quilts. Every bed in that women's shelter had. And when they filled up that, that, that then they took on an, uh, uh, an orphanage over in Morris. And they filled up every bed in that orphanage over in Morris with one of their quilts. See, that's what the mission does. That directs what you do. It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like headlights into the darkness of the future. This is what God wants us to be. And we're going to cooperate with God because we know we must cooperate with God in order for this to happen. We're going to work together with God. Just like, just like Jesus knew he had to get over there to Jerusalem, we know that we've got to cooperate with God in order to make that happen. I hope that you'll be praying. I hope that you'll be praying about the mission for this church. I hope you'll be praying for the transition team. And I hope you'll be praying about the mission for this church and the vision for this church as we go forward. Because that's critical to this whole process that I'm here to help you work through. It's critical for us to come up with that, that, that mission that is what, not, you know, we talk to five different people, we may get five different things. No, what, what the whole church can buy into to be the mission for the church going forward in the future. This must rise from you. Don't come from the pulpit. This must arise from you as you pray about it, as you speak to the face of God and look for the face of God. The music today was perfect. It fit, it fit everything that I've tried to say in this, this message. And, and I just want to say clearly to you, I hope that, that we will be in prayer about this next step. Pray for, the, pray for the transition team and pray as we move forward, that we'll move forward step by step following what God wants His church to be in the future. Don't forget your own personal life. And don't forget in your own personal life finding what it is God wants you to be right now. Now, some of you are retired. You can say, well, okay. For years I knew what God wanted me to be, but now I don't know what God wants. There's something God wants you to be now. And you move forward. For you who are young people, Open your heart to God in that way. You've got plenty of time, but open your heart to God in that way so that God can deal with you in your life as you try to move and live your life with the full meaning of knowing that you're living your life in cooperation with God. I can't tell you how many students I've had through the years who said, when I stop, finally stopped fighting against God and surrendered, I found what God wanted me to be. I'm not going to have an invitation today. I hope you understand it's a different kind of sermon. Just going to have a prayer and we're going to close. Thank you for being here. Please go on your way thinking about this stuff and praying at God's direction for us as we try to find His direction for us for the years ahead. Let's pray.
Father, you know our hearts. You know the hearts of the people in this church. You know that we want to do what you want us to do. It's not always real clear to us, but we pray that you'll make it clear to us. And as we pray together, and how you've answered our prayers, as we pray together, looking ahead to the future, we just pray for your direction. Make it clear to us. And provide the unity that comes only by your Spirit when we're doing what you want us to do. And you provide that unity that comes from your Spirit. Provide that for us as we move forward. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here. God bless you. It's over. <laughs>